hey, I want to welcome you to Worship at Shades. I hope that you've enjoyed your Memorial Day holiday so far, and I hope that you enjoy taking that day off tomorrow. Uh, this is a time where we uh, recognize those who paid the ultimate price so that we could have the freedoms in our country. So I hope you'll take advantage of it and truly make it a time of remembrance. Hey, last week we started a sermon series out of the book of Ruth, and we entitled it The Bigger Picture. And uh, we're looking at the bigger picture because God is weaving uh, a tapestry in each of our lives. And as he's weaving this tapestry, there's always two sides of a tapestry. There is that uh, underside. And on that underside, what you see is just a maze of threads and some uh, tied knots and some frayed edges. And it really don't make a lot of sense. But then when you can get on the other side, on the upper side, then you begin to see the beautiful picture that's being woven together. That's the way our lives are. And as God is weaving our life, uh, he uses different color thread. Sometimes it's light, sometimes it's dark. Sometimes there's joy and sometimes there's sorrow, but he puts it all together to come up with a beautiful picture of a transformed life. And, uh, Looking in the passage of Scripture and looking at this book, uh, the book of Ruth, it is a beautiful picture of how God has been weaving a tapestry in some people's lives. And then at the very end, we're going to uh, see exactly what is on the other side of the tapestry. So let me just give you a quick overview as to what happened in chapter one. Uh, there's a lady by the name of Naomi and her husband, Elimelech. They have two sons. There was a famine in Bethlehem. And so they traveled to Moab, about 50 miles away, uh, just looking for greener pastors. It was sort of a head scratcher because Moab was a place where they worshiped foreign gods, not the the one true God that was being worshiped in Bethlehem. But they were there and the two sons found some Moabite women that they married. And for 10 years, they stayed there. But at the end of 10 years, this is what her life looked like. Her husband had died and both of her sons had died. And so all that was remaining was Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. She got word that the famine had cleared and that there was bread to be had in Bethlehem. So she made a point to travel back and she talked to her two daughters-in-laws, encouraged them to go back with their families there in Moab. And one of them did, but the other one stayed with her. And her name is Ruth. And Ruth said that I will go with you. I'll stay and travel with you to Bethlehem and I'll take care of you. And I'll be there till the day that you die. And even after you die, I will continue to live there and they can bury me right next to you. And so this is where we pick up uh, in chapter two. And uh, in the midst of all of this, uh, there's a whole lot of the backside of the tapestry that we're seeing. And we got just a little bit of a glimpse of the other side when it said that when they arrived in Bethlehem, it was the time of the harvest. So she had left at a time of famine. Now she's back and it's a time of harvest. And that's where we pick up, pick up the account. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Ruth. Uh, it's uh, not too difficult to find. It's right between the book of Judges and 1 Samuel. And uh, we go into chapter two. Uh, we wanna really wanna focus on the character of God and want to see at least three main things. And that is that God cares, God rules, and God provides. Now, uh, 
when you begin chapter two, you've got to understand that there is an excitement that's going on. I mean, harvest time is here and there's a buzz in the streets and the people are talking about it because for the next seven weeks, almost two months, they'll be bringing in the harvest. And so when we get introduced to this chapter, we're introduced to a person by the name of Boaz. In verse one, it says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now, they just kind of threw that name in there in the story, but it said that he was a worthy man. And that word means he was a man of standing. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of influence. He was a man of good reputation. And then they just kind of walk away from it and they pick back up with Ruth and Naomi. Let me give you the very first point that I was mentioning to you, and that is that God cares. Specifically, God cares for the poor and the oppressed. You're getting ready to pick up a scene of where Ruth is going to help in gleaning the harvest. And to show how much God cares is that back in the book of Leviticus, which was written back when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, 40 years away from even uh, coming into the land. And God began to lay out some uh, specific responsibilities that they were to have to take care of the poor and the oppressed. I want you to look at this verse. Let me read it to you. It's found in Leviticus. It's chapter 23, verse 22. And this is what he says. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord, your God. And what he was telling them is you're starting to reap the harvest. He says, you know, when you drop some sheaves behind you, don't go back and pick them up. That is where the poor and the foreigners, the oppressed, they are to come through and do that. And he closes that out by saying, I am the Lord, your God. That's his character. So he cares and he cares for the poor and he cares for the oppressed. And this is where Ruth fits right in. Look what she says in verse two. In verse two, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go my daughter. She's, she has realized that um, somebody's got a provide some food uh, for this family. She's taking care of Naomi. Naomi's probably physically not in a position to do it. And so Ruth takes the initiative and she says, hey, I want to go and I want to glean the fields. And we're talking about hard work. This is not something that's real easy. And uh, she didn't just sit there and wait for some divine intervention. She knew she had to take an initiative. And that's what she did. And she said, I want to go glean the fields. And then she said, and my desire is to find someone who will have favor with me. That means I'm gonna go look for a job in essence, but I'm waiting and hoping that someone out there will find favor and allow me to glean their fields. She was gonna do everything that she could do in, in her strength, but the other part of it is she was just leaning on God in his care to do the things that only he could do. And so this is where she is set up. She's ready to head out and she's ready to go out into those fields. And when she talked to Naomi and Naomi said, it's fine with me, you can head out into the fields. And so verse three, she set out and she went and she gleaned the field after the reapers and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now let me give you our second point here. And that is God rules using ordinary day-to-day -day happenings to accomplish his purpose. God rules and he does this by using ordinary day-to-day -day happenings to accomplish his purpose. Now, 
I love it where it says, she just happened onto the field of Boaz. There's Boaz again, the guy we just got introduced to in verse one. So she's just going around town, looking at certain fields and said, I'm just gonna start here. And when she started, it just so happened that it was Boaz's field. Now to Ruth, this was just a sheer coincidence, but there are no coincidences in God's program. See what some call chance, luck, or fate, the Bible attributes it to the sovereign providential hand of God. And then it continues because the first part of verse four, it's like, wouldn't you know it? Here comes Boaz. Now Boaz shows up. So now out of nowhere, he just shows up at that field at the exact same time. Let me tell you a little bit about providence. Providence acknowledges both God's sovereign lordship in this world and man's freedom to live responsibly within God's limits. All of your existence is under the providential care of God. Now we each make real choices and we each make real decisions and we each experience real consequences and God's providence never overrides our human action and decisions. I just look at what we've already covered. For Ruth, she chose to go to work. That was her decision. Naomi, she chose to encourage her and allow her to do it. Ruth, she was looking for a field. She chose Boaz's field, having absolutely no idea whose field it was. She just said, this is a good one for me to start in. And Boaz chose to show up there at that field at that particular time. All of those were choices that they made. However, all these decisions are instruments in God's hand of providential care. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man. How in the world does it work? I got no idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to grasp around, your hands around it. However, God does it. And this is a beautiful picture of how he does it. People making their own ordinary day-to-day -day decisions, and yet God, in his sovereignty and with his providential hand, is using them to weave an amazing tapestry of not only their lives, but even future lives that will impact the kingdom of God. So it's amazing. You need to stick around. This is really good on the ending. All right, are you ready? So this is what happens. God is working all things according to his will. And I want you to step out of this story and step into your own life for just a moment. When, um, when we talk about how God is working all things, he is also working all things in your life. And it is his desire to be able to weave a tapestry of your life so that it will conform to the person and the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why even the difficult days or the questioning hours of your life that on the back of the tapestry look like a maze of threads and, um, and some frayed ends and some, and some frayed edges and knotted ends and not making much sense. God takes those things and he is weaving a beautiful picture that has a message of hope and grace in your life. And this tracks with what uh, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. And in Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 13, he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Hey, listen, God rules, and he does this using ordinary happenings day by day, those things that happen day by day to accomplish his will. This um, really came home uh, to Janice and myself uh, back when I was 
trying to make the decision about going into ministry. And I'd been working uh, with AT&T for eight and a half years. And uh, as we tried to make that decision and to see where God was going, it was amazing to look back uh, to see how God was working in the day-to-day happenings. Um, we were living in Mobile. Uh, our house had not sold. Uh, we just had it for sale for just a, a short while of time. And so Janice had to stay in Mobile. I had to travel and go to Fort Worth. So where was I going to live? Well, amazingly, by chance, my old college roommate, Mike Wayman, uh, who I had a part of helping lead him to faith in Christ, he and uh, Kathy had moved from down north and they just moved to Arlington and they lived in a house that was 12 minutes away from seminary. And I contacted him and said, yeah, you can come and live with us until Janice can uh, sell the house and y'all can go get settled in. So that was it. I moved in with them and their three-year-old. Yeah, that's a different part of the story. But we were there. And, and so here I am. Uh, I'm going to seminary. And then as I'm in seminary, uh, I'm there for about a month. I'm already missing my wife. And I go to a chapel. And I got to let you know, I didn't go to all the chapel services, but I chose this one chapel service. Slipped in, sat in the back. And the, uh, a former president, Dr. Robert Naylor, gave the devotional that day. And, uh, and he spoke from Luke 9, 62. And in Luke 9, 62, he says, any man who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is not worthy of the kingdom of God or is not fit for the kingdom of God. Man, that just was like an arrow to my heart. And here I was, and I said, Lord, uh, I've made this turn. I put my hand on the plow. I, I don't want to turn loose of it. I said, this is the word I need to hear. And I was solid. And I told Janice, I said, there's no doubt it's where it's supposed to be. So two weeks later, we travel back to Mobile. Go back to Mobile uh, to try to talk to someone about selling our house. We went to church there, where we, where we go to church. And there was a man that was speaking by the name of Ron Lewis, church growth consultant. People told me, you need to meet him. I, after the service, I meet him. And he said, where are you, seminary? I told him Southwestern. He said, where do you go to church? I said, don't have one yet. He says, you need to go to Prestonwood Baptist Church. Best church there is in the convention. You need to go there. I said, where is it? He says, North Dallas. He said, where do you? live. I said, I'm in South Arlington. It's worth the drive. 45 minutes. It's worth the drive. And I said, well, my wife is looking for a job. She's a commercial artist. That's where the artsy people are. And he gave me the name of a guy named Bill Taylor. He said, just check with him. He can help her, help her get a job. We sell the house. We move down there. First Sunday we go. We go down and see a guy by the name of Bill Taylor. So happens Bill Taylor's the Minister of Education. We meet with him the next day. He gives Janice a lead on how to get a job and at the same time begins to interview me to come on their staff. He was the guy who was putting together the staff at Prestonwood. And so all of a sudden now I found that I've got a job and I'm going to be working on staff of this church that for the next four and a half years uh, helped shape my philosophy of ministry. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, when I graduated from seminary, I'm, I'm ready to go uh, into the ministry, and uh, excuse me, to be a pastor. And so we're trying to hopefully interview with some different churches. And uh, there's a lady who's on the search committee of First Baptist Church Ruston who has a friend in Dallas who attends Prestonwood Baptist Church. They just happened to get together at a time, and, and they were began talking, and, and the lady on the committee says, I've just really been busy. She says, what are you doing? She says, well, we're on a pastor search committee. And she says, hey, we got a young guy at our church. Let me give you his name. And that's how my name got to Ruston, Louisiana. And then they came and uh, talked to us. We prayed about it and felt that's where God was leading us to minister. It's just amazing. But the story continues, really, because uh, three years later, uh, we adopted our daughter who was born in Shreveport, Louisiana. And if we had never gone to Ruston, we would have never 
have adopted a child that was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, which is just an hour drive away from Ruston. Now just think about all of these things. You think that's just coincidence? You think it's just chance? Not at all. It is amazing in that God rules. He is sovereign. He has a providential hand on things. And through the working of just daily, ordinary activities, he accomplishes his purpose. So uh, the, the value of understanding this is that when you have faith in the gracious providence of God, it carries with it the certainty that all those tangled um, threads that are on the back of the tapestry, that there is another side. And on that other side, it is a message that gives us hope and a message of grace. And so God rules. Well, you pick up the story and in chapter, uh, in verse four, uh, Boaz uh, picks up and uh, he, it shows him coming in to uh, talk to his people. And it's just, it's a small thing, but I love it. And he says, he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. I'm loving Boaz. Okay. In fact, both Ruth and Boaz are just some great folks. Uh, but Boaz comes in as the boss and he says, the Lord be with you. That's his greeting with, the, with those that are working. In essence, what he's saying is, he says, guys and gals, he says, man, this is a great day, isn't it? We're getting ready to, to reap in a harvest, a bounteous harvest. And the reason we're able to do this is because God has blessed us to do this. And we get the joy of doing this together, okay? And I can almost see him. Okay, let's get your hands in there. One, two, three, glean! And go out and glean those fields out there. And, and they're jacked up because they come back to him and they say, hey, the Lord bless you. This is a great man of integrity. Well, what happens is he comes around to his foreman and he sees Ruth out there, someone he's never seen before. And so he asks about this young lady. And as he asks about her, uh, it says, who is this woman? Look how he describes who she is. And he says, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. He said, man, she came up to me, in essence, asking for favor to be able to glean in the fields. And, and uh, I said, yeah, uh, you, can, you can do that. I'll tell you what, she's been a worker. She started early in the morning. She just keeps going. And all she's had is just a short rest on there. Well, which you picked up from her already. She's polite, she's courteous, and, and she's industrious, and she's a hard worker. And so Boaz goes over to meet her. And as Boaz goes over to meet her, that's where our third characteristic of God comes, and that is this. God provides protection, provision, and peace. God provides protection, provision, and peace. Now, in verses, eight through nine, in verses 8 and 9, Boaz goes and he talks to her, and this is pretty well what he tells her. He says, listen, I've talked to all the men, workers over here, and I told them that they were not to do any harm to you and they were not to harass you physically or verbally. In fact, I think in Scripture, this is the first sexual harassment policy that was ever written, and it was Boaz. And he told the guys, you don't mess with her. And he looked at her and he says, you don't need to look for any other fields. This is where you need to be. You glean here, you see where my servant girls are, you follow them and do what they say. You follow the reapers and where they go. And if you need some water, we got some jugs over here. Uh, take a break and be sure and drink some water. Well, this kindness was over the top and it just blew her away. And it overwhelmed Ruth. 
Here she is, a Moabite, a foreigner, that most people really don't like and, and don't even think about taking care of or showing kindness, and look what Boaz has done. And so verse 10, this is her response. In verse 10, she said, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and she said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? And, and, and she's just, uh, there's like a sense of wonder, uh, and there's a sense of humility of why would you show favor on me? Here is Ruth. You know, she started her day by telling Naomi, I'm going to try to glean in the fields and uh, I'm going to look for someone's favor. Now, all of a sudden, she's found the favor and the favor has come to her. And she's asking the question, really, why? You know, I don't feel I deserve this. And you see the spirit of humility and at the same time, a sense of wonder as to why all this overwhelming kindness has come to her. But you see, what we see here is that the heart of God is expressed in the hands of God's people. You see, the heart of God is expressed in the hands of God's people. And Boaz is a perfect example of that. He says, but Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. He said, I've heard the story of how you treated, you supported Naomi, it's just amazing. And if I could just take a little sidestep forward and say this to you, you need to remember that your actions have consequences because how you treat people will come back to you and it'll either help you or haunt you. So we need to always be treating people like, um, uh, like the character of the way Boaz treated Ruth and the way Ruth was treating uh, Naomi. And benefits come from that. And he's telling her this. And then he comes in verse 12. And in verse 12, it's like he's praying a prayer for her. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Look at that. The Lord repay you for what you've done and a full reward be given to you. He says, I know you've sacrificed and for all the sacrifice you've given in order to take care of Naomi, it's my prayer that God would repay you, that he would reward you in a relationship with him uh, because of what you've done. And then here comes that word of comfort because invert at the end of it, he says, and under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And it's the picture of the wings of an eagle that's fluttering over its young. And when the eagle puts its wings over its young, it's a picture of safety, uh, it's a picture of hope, and it's a picture of, of like refreshment. And you have nothing to worry about. And he told this to Ruth, you are a widow, you're poor, you're in a foreign land, and I just wanna let you know, my prayer is that the Lord takes you under the refuge of his wings. And many believe that um, he could be getting the idea from uh, Psalm 57.1. And look what Psalm 57.1 says. He says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Now, maybe this is where you are in the midst of these two and a half months of COVID-19 to where you are in the middle of a storm and you are in need of safety and of refreshment and of hope. And I just want to encourage you that if you put your faith in God, that he will wrap you around his wings of protection. 
and he will strengthen you and he will give you the safety that you need as we continue to go through this and until we get out of this time of destruction. And so for us as believers, we can be a Boaz. <clears throat> we can be the hands that express the heart of God. Because what we see with Boaz is he did provide provisions for her. He also provided protection. And now what we're getting ready to see is he's also providing a peace. He's being God's instrument to provide peace. Look in verse 13. In verse 13, it says, Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I'm not one of your servants. She says, your words have comforted me. That in, in the Hebrew language, what that is, it means like you've allowed me to catch my breath. It's like, take a breather, just take a breath. And it says, you have comforted me. You have given me a peace. And it's such a relief for her to know that she has someone that's standing up for her. And that is Boaz. And so he says, you've comforted me. But then also it says, you've spoken kindly to me. Now, literally that means you've spoken to my heart. I just gotta tell you, when a single man says something to a single woman and she says, you've spoken to my heart, hello. <laughs> I don't wanna get ahead of the story, all right? But that, that could be chapter three. You might wanna just keep that one in mind. And so Boaz, man, he takes it to the next level. And then over verses 14 and 16, he sits there and he reminds the guys again, don't do anything to her and tells her, says, listen, you need to glean the fields, but before you do that, come over here and, and have lunch with us. So she did the unthinkable. She got to sit there with all his employees and he fed her a lot of food and he gave her more food than she could eat so she could wrap it up and take it to Naomi. And then he said, hey, I wanna let her uh, glean the sheaves of the field, not just on the edges, but let her follow uh, the, the reapers and then pick up anything that she can pick up. And then he also said, and listen, hey, while you're doing it, you know when you bundle up all those sheaves and stuff, if you see Ruth back there, just pull a couple out and just drop it behind you and help her along the way. And so he has gone to the next level on there to try to help her out. Well, how did the day end? Verse 17 it says, so she gleaned in the field until evening and then she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. This gal worked all day. Then at night, she, she's uh, uh, breaking it down, and it says that it was like an ephah, which we don't know what an ephah is. Some says it's like maybe three-fifths of a bushel. Uh, all I know, it's a bunch of grain, okay? But that'd be fascinating. I don't have time to do the math for you over here, but I was reading some commentaries that said, what is the nutritional intake, normal nutritional intake for two people? And they took the normal nutritional intake, and they figured out that from what she did, that what she brought home that one one day would feed them for an entire week, okay? Harvest lasts for seven weeks. You work six days, that's 42 days because you got to take the Sabbath off each week. And well, if you did 40 days of work with that type of production, you are providing enough food for 42 weeks and beyond, maybe for a whole year. So in the seven weeks that she's working, she is providing food for she and Naomi for an entire year. She is a gleaning machine and she's getting after it. And so when she brings this home, all of a sudden she's walking down the street carrying this big, big sack of grain and Naomi comes out. And when Naomi comes out, she is shocked. <laughs> she can't believe it. And so she's asking the question, not only where did you go, but 
Who did you talk to? Who was the one that had favor with you that would allow you to get this much grain? And, uh, and so I love the way she answered it because she gets into a discussion. And this is the way two ladies would talk. She'd tell her all about the day, talk about the people she worked with. And at the very end, there's a sense of anticipation to where she says, oh, and the man's name is Boaz. The man's name is Boaz. Now, when she said that, Naomi perked up. And verse 20 says this, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours. He's one of our redeemers. Now, we're going to talk more about this uh, next week in chapter three about the kinsman redeemer. But there are responsibilities that family members have for widows. And so as soon as Naomi heard this, she said, he has respect for the living, that is Naomi and Ruth, and respect for the dead. Because Elimelech, who's a part of his household and two sons, he is respecting them by taking care of them. Now, part of him, he's already helped in some of the redeeming process because he's provided food for them. So that's good. However, she sees it a little bit bigger. And that's our very last point. And that is that God has a plan and that plan is the bigger picture. God has a plan, and that plan is a bigger picture. When Naomi begins to talk about and, and shares who Boaz is, she then, Ruth comes back in verse 21, and she said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. All right. This is, this is like Rocky when the music's playing. Once she heard that, Naomi, it took her to a whole new level. And her mind began to go in, in, in turning and churning different ideas. Because all of a sudden she's realized, hey, this Boaz, this is a kinsman redeemer. This could be the guy. This could be the guy that could marry Ruth. And as he marries Ruth, then they could have children and they would preserve the name of her family on there. So God has a plan and it is a bigger picture. And Naomi's already beginning to see this. And for the first time we see her fixation is not on the back of the tapestry with all of the frayed edges. Now she's looking around and she's getting a glimpse of the other side and is beginning to see this beautiful picture that's being weaved, man. And so the glimpse that she got of that, you know what that is? You got to come back next week. And next week, I'm going to tell you what that glimpse is that she had. So the bigger picture, when you think about the bigger picture, it is understanding the tapestry that has been woven in your life. And it is the thing, it is what is happening with your life at this time to where God is taking all the joys and all the sorrows and he's weaving them together. And so how do I, how do I see that bigger picture? And just, just as a review, we need to understand the character of God, to know that God cares for you. No matter what your situation is, there is nothing you can do to be so far away from God that he cannot care for you and love you. And so we need to know that God cares. And second of all, to know that God rules. And when he rules, he uses just the everyday, ordinary happenings to be able to accomplish his will. This will be your challenge this week. Throughout this week, 
have a heightened sense of awareness of the providential hand of God. And as you begin to see things happening uh, throughout your day, stop and ask, is this something that God is guiding and directing? Is this something that's a part of my tapestry that's going to make me a transformed uh, individual, walking more uh, like Christ does? God rules. And then last of all, we see is that God provides, and he provides protection, he provides provisions, and he provides peace. So this week, take on the example of Boaz and Ruth, people of high character, people, both of them, who were being the hands that express the heart of God. And may you, during this time, be a person that follows that example and goes out and helps people and helping them walk through this time of this uh, pandemic and the difficulties there and look for ways that you can express the heart of God through what you do. Now, there's for some of you today that you say, well, I don't even know this God. I don't even know who, who, uh, who you're talking. I've never come into a relationship with him. Well, we have some people that would love to talk to you about that. If you have any questions or you want to ask him to come into your life, I'm going to ask you to go to uh, on our website to where it says shades.org slash info, just shades.org slash info. You can go there. People will be more than glad to talk to you. Also, uh, maybe you've got a prayer request or, or maybe God has spoken to your heart and there's something you want to talk to someone else about. You go to that same uh, uh, spot on our website, go to that same link and it will take you to people that you need to know who will help you to be able to um, deal with whatever it is that God is, is, uh, is struggling with your heart right now. And so uh, that's why he has you watching this service is because he is weaving that tapestry of your life. And there are things today that he wants you to know that will bring you closer to him. So I want to lead us in a word of prayer and I want to pray for you. And as soon as I finish praying, we've got another song of worship that I invite you to stick around for and, uh, and worship our Lord. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for what we've learned uh, here in Ruth. And we're so thankful for the character of God and it's our prayer that we would be drawn closer to you because of what we've seen here. And may we be people who take action and let us be the hands of God and let us be able to express your heart with others. For those, Lord, who are going through some life situations that are very difficult, uh, I pray for them and I pray, Lord, they take advantage of us having people that would want to touch base with them and to talk to them and to pray with them. May you guide them to take that next step. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.